I haven't said this in a couple months. I'm a little nervous. Okay. Yeah. You, uh, you remember how to do this? Heck yeah. <clears throat> Hello, working people of Southwest Washington. You're finally listening to episode number 16 of Working to Live in Southwest Washington, produced by the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council. We're also a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network, with nearly 100 radio shows and podcasts for working people just like you. Find out more about the network at laborradionetwork.org. I'm Shannon Myers. And I'm Harold Phillips. And before we get started, we wanted to remind you that the views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council, its affiliates unions, our guest unions, or their employers, nobody but themselves. Well, now that we got that out of the way, hey, Shannon, uh, it's been a while, yeah? Oh my gosh, Harold, I have missed doing our podcast, but I will tell you it has been for a good reason. I have been extremely busy with our In Solidarity Food Bank, and we've talked about it in the past, and part of the reason we started this food bank was for the support staff at the Vancouver School District, which got laid off, remember, two weeks before Christmas, and then Barb Plymate came in and talked to us. Remember that, Harold? That's right. Yeah. So we actually had a lot of those members who didn't have full paychecks for four months. Um, and so when you don't have full paychecks, it's hard to buy food. And we have served so far over 150 families and we do that weekly. There are so many unions that we need to thank for this food bank. When we told people that we thought there were going to be families that were going to be needing food, everybody chipped in. The IBEW 48, the UA 290, the nurses, the educators, the firefighters. They let us use their firefighters 452 hall in Vancouver every Thursday. But we actually raised just over $22,000 for our food bank. That all came from working people right here in Southwest Washington. And you and the rest of the Labor Council have been working really hard to help working people here in our region. And that's not just the food bank. If we look back over the last pandemic year we've all lived through, serving working people in our region has been job number one. So now here we are. We've passed the one year mark and we're hoping we're getting close to the end. But we wanted to take a look back at all the changes the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council has made to keep serving working people in our community and what we can look forward to. So to help talk about that, we're happy to welcome the Labor Council's Vice President, Bob Carroll. Thanks for joining us, Bob. Good to be here. Glad I could do it. I'm with the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 48. I'm a business rep uh, with the local. And our Secretary Treasurer, Randall Friesen. Thanks for joining us, Randall. I'm glad to do it and honored. Thank you. I'm with the UA Local 290 Plumbers and Pipefitters and the PAC Chair for UA Local 290. So... Let's look back at this time last year, March 2020, when things really started. Wait a down. second, wait a second, Harold, Harold, no, what? we are not talking about the past. We are not talking about 2020 anymore. That is so f***ed 
We are not going to talk about the past. We are going to talk about the future and what is happening now for working people. So wait, we're going to talk about the future and what's happening now? Yes, both at the same time. Yes. So, so what exactly do you mean? I am done with the past. So what, what, what do you want to talk about? It's your show, lady. Okay. So the first thing I want to talk about is, did you guys happen to see President Biden's speech about unions? Did you guys get to see it was about three minutes, two minutes, three minutes long? Well, wait, which one? I mean, he's made so many of them at this point. Are you talking about the one where he talked about the people in Alabama who are organizing? Today and over the next few days and weeks, workers in Alabama and all across America are voting on whether to organize a union in their workplace. This is vitally important, a vitally important choice as America grapples with the deadly pandemic, the economic crisis, and the reckoning on race, what it reveals the deep disparities that still exist in our country. And there should be no intimidation, no coercion, no threats, no anti-union propaganda. Not exactly saying Amazon workers, but going just up to that line to say that he supported them. I am just so glad that there is somebody, oh, I don't know, the president of the United States who uses the word union and it's not used as a bad word. It was great. I'm thankful for that and proud of that. And not only does the president talk about unions, but his staff talks about unions also, which is Very refreshing. And some of that staff have actually been brought up from unions, like our new head of the Department of Labor, Marty Walsh. He was a union member and head of the Boston Building Trades Council. Is that right? I I believe that's correct. A new day is dawning in support for organized labor when it comes to the White House and working people who can come together in their workplace and form unions. And I'm glad you said working people, Harold, because although we are happy that he is saying the word unions and our current administration is saying unions, unions are not just for ourselves. It's for all working people. The jobs that they're talking about, which we'll talk about later, Bob, I know you're going to bring that up. That's going to lift up a lot of people to making living wage union jobs. And it's just refreshing to hear it. So Moving on. Next topic. Are you ready, guys? Ready. I have no control here. It's all you. You know what? I have been so excited for this show all day. I've missed my podcast, our podcast, the podcast. The American Rescue Plan. Let's talk about that real quick. American Rescue Plan was just passed. And what did the American Rescue Plan do for some of your members, Bob? Well, it's helping to shore up the pensions that have been in in the red. There may be some of our listeners who don't understand just what a crisis pensions were in. Can you explain why they needed to be saved? Several years ago, there was a law passed that said you couldn't overfund pensions. So if they were funded at more than 100%, that money had to be returned to the members in a variety of different ways. Wait, wait. So you're saying that if a pension took in extra, they couldn't just put that in the bank to save it for a rainy day? They had to take it out of the pension? Yes, that is correct. They had to return it in the form of a 13th check to pensioners, or they raised the amount they would get per month for each of 12 months. And 
So that law was passed, they had to do that. And then a few years later comes the crash in 2008 and the money that pensions were making through investment went down. A lot of pensions were not funded as well. And then the workers that were putting hours into those pensions weren't working the hours. So that was a double hit. So many pensions went down. And when they went below 80%, they went into the yellow and they had to make changes to the pension to make sure that the pension was solvent. When they went below 70%, they went into crisis mode into red. And then they had to really make some changes to the pensions to make sure that the retirees would be able to get benefits. So the help that the federal government has given to these pensions is going to make it where they will be able to provide more monthly benefit to retirees in those plans that have been hard hit. Randall, now I remember when I was young thinking, you know, who cares about pensions, right? You're just worried about take-home pay. If you're saving some money in a savings account, you're probably ahead of the game. But as we get older, we actually start to think about this thing called retirement. This is one of the advantages that being a union worker tends to bring, right? The idea of a pension that you can rely on in retirement. Absolutely. And the pensions that we're talking about are defined benefit plans. So when you retire for the rest of your life, you get X amount of dollars. And when these pension plans are in trouble, what ends up happening is the people that are responsible for them, they don't have to pay for it. The pensioners themselves get a pay cut. And if I've already been retired for 15 to 20 years and I'm looking at a, a 10% or 15% cut, it's going to be really difficult to sustain myself on that. Yeah. And I am so happy about this because all of those pensioners that you're talking about, they have been watching this for years and wondering when are my benefits get cut or when they're going to get cut again. And now with the American Rescue Plan and this protection, they're going to be solvent till 2051. So 30 years, retirees are not going to have to worry if they're going to have a paycheck and the amount that it's going to be. So thank you very much, American Rescue Plan. And that means a lot to people who are thinking about forming unions as well. If they put together a union or if they join a union with an existing pension plan, they might not necessarily have to rely on an IRA or a 401k. They could have what Randall called a defined benefit plan. Exactly. The markets can be volatile. So with a defined benefit plan, it doesn't change with the market. You are guaranteed X amount of dollars for the rest of your life. One of the selling points of unions is to have a defined benefit plan. A lot of people say that, well, I made more money in my 401k or my IRA than this and that. When we have an economic downturn, that goes down. When we have an economic downturn, the pension doesn't go down. It stays the same as a defined benefit. It's an insurance policy for yourself. There were two other things I just wanted to point out about the American Rescue Plan, which is the $1,400 checks and the child care credits. And I will let you know that those two things will actually help the people that have been going to our food bank who had gotten laid off. There's so many pieces to it, but those are the three pieces we wanted to point out. So wait, you're saying because of the American Rescue Plan, we may actually go back to a regular podcast schedule because you won't be working the food bank every week? <laughs> oh my gosh, yes! That is exactly right. Thank you, American Rescue Plan. We have the podcast back. <laughs> But seriously, Randall was talking about how defined benefit plans 
can be a real reason to join a union or to form a union. And there's something else going on right now that's going to make that a lot easier too, right? Oh, yes, everybody. It is called the PRO Act. What is the PRO Act? Does that stand for something? Protecting the right to organize. And the reason that this is so important is because as Randall and Bob, and we've been saying we have all these great benefits for being a union, but there are so many people out there who do not want us to join in solidarity and join a union, and they make it difficult for us. I think we were just talking about a certain company that's trying to make it hard for workers in Alabama to join the union, right? Yes, that is right. But that's why we need to support the PRO Act. So the PRO Act is actually legislation that is going to empower workers to exercise our freedom to organize and bargain. It's going to ensure that workers can reach a first contract quickly after a union has been recognized, meaning they voted on it, so they need a contract. We're going to end employers' practices of punishing striking workers, hiring replacement workers, and they're going to hold corporations accountable by strengthening the Labor Relations Board and penalizing employers who retaliate against working people who all they want to do is to join a union or make a union. It's going to repeal devastating right-to-work laws, which that's another show in itself, and it's going to create actual pathways for workers to form unions without fear. So if you're having harassment or any kind of issues at work, we can form a union and it will be against the law for your employer to come back and punish you for it. Pretty big stuff. And let me just add a couple of things the PRO Act does not do. There's a lot of misinformation out there about what this act is going to do to the American workforce. The PRO Act does not force employees to join a union. It's going to make it easier for people to join or to form a union, but nobody is going to make you join a union. Also, the PRO Act is not going to get rid of freelancers. It's not going to force freelancers to become employees. This is another bit of misinformation that's being spewed out there that all your Uber drivers and your Instacart workers are going to be forced to be employees because of the PRO Act. Not the case. It will make it easier for those workers to form a union if they desire to, but it's not going to go knock on these companies' door and say, you have to make these people employees. That is not something this act does. Harold, does that apply to gig workers? 100%. Yeah, that's the word, is that gig workers will be forced to become employees under the PRO Act, and that is not the case. That's a great step for being pro-labor. It is a struggle to organize non-union companies, especially in the construction trades. There's, it's nothing but benefit all around, the way I see it. It's definitely a benefit. You know, Right now, it takes so long to get a first contract because the companies are not required to really bargain with their employees. The employees can vote to form the union, but the company can just drag it on forever. And then the employees will be harassed, intimidated, uh, fired, whatever. And that dilutes the power of those that voted to join that union in the first place. Protections are vital when it comes to elections to form a union. I've heard stories from our agent organizers when they go to hold an election. 
the apprentices or other people that haven't been around very long get intimidated to vote no. And sometimes the votes are really close. That's why having meaningful penalties for employers who do this is such an important part of the PRO Act. And accountability. And many workers don't want to make a big splash when they vote to join the union. They want to have some anonymity. And, you know, they're taking license plates down. They're taking pictures of those that are voting or are talking to union organizers. And that takes some of that anonymity away. So the PRO Act actually allows people to vote and join a union without harassment, intimidation. So pass the PRO Act, call your senators. And we are talking specifically to our listeners who are outside of Washington state because both Washington state senators have already said they support this act. In fact, one of them, Patty Murray, helped to write it. So if you're living outside Washington state, call your senators. If you have friends and family that live outside Washington state, call your friends and family, tell them to call their senators. We need the PRO Act badly to level the playing field between working people and the corporations that are employing them. Well said, brother. But now we're moving on because, wow, this new administration is fighting for working people so hard. They have another plan that's coming out. They just announced it this week. It's called the American Jobs Plan. And let me tell you, these jobs are not federal minimum wage, which is what, $7.65 an hour, which is ridiculous. These are living wage jobs, benefits, and union, baby, union. Well, the jobs plan is, there's several pieces to it. And part of it is highway and road infrastructure, federal schools, broadband. There's a wide variety of infrastructures that are going to be touched on. And the IBW is going to be at the forefront of many of those because the technology is changing. In my career, I've seen the work change so much and the technology's change so much that uh, it's amazing. And you know, the folks that are coming into the trades now are going to be starting a great career with this whole infrastructure packages that are being talked about. I'm glad you brought that out. Our amazing Senator Maria Cantwell, we just got notice from her amazing Southwest Washington staff that the I-5 bridge is number one on her list to get done here in Washington State. So you know what? That's local jobs, local project. Yeah, that bridge and all the infrastructure around that bridge is going to be creating thousands of jobs because not only do they build a bridge, they'll put mass transit across it, but also there's conduits put in for fiber, for broadband infrastructure and other things like that. So a bridge is not just a bridge. It's a, it's a passageway across a river for other utilities also. To piggyback on what Bob's saying, with all the added utilities and the expansion of commerce to get things, goods and services around town, it'll build small businesses as well. And then we have a lot of our working people that are sitting in traffic every day, not getting home to their families at a regular time. They're spending an hour and a half in traffic every night on average. So it's, it's a better quality of life as well. And it's going to encourage other businesses to move here and more industry, especially with an expansion of high tech for those clean type jobs. I need to talk about electrification, uh, vehicle electrification. 
you know, creating electric vehicles and the charging stations and the infrastructure that would go around. There's several of the American car companies that are going 100% electric in the next few years. Yeah, I just bought a new car myself and the fully electric felt like a really good idea until I looked at where the charging stations were. And if I was getting off the I-5 corridor, I could have a long time to go between charges. The American Jobs Plan is putting charging stations everywhere so that people can actually buy an electric vehicle, American-made, without fear. That is definitely part of the plan. And the IBW is behind that because that is work that we do now, actually, and work we want to do more of. It's going to be better for everybody. For every dollar in wages that is made on those infrastructure projects, each dollar rebounds through the economy another two or three times. So it's a, it just keeps on giving. And this is trickle up, not trickle down theory. The American Jobs Plan also has a pretty significant focus on new green projects, right? Green projects is important to bring up, Harold, because I know that there's been this idea out there that the labor unions don't support green projects. But you know what? We want to build green projects. We want to be involved in this transition, don't we, Bob? Yes, we do. And an example of one of those projects is a 152 megawatt AC solar field that's being built now. Another example is pump storage. Uh, It's basically a water battery to create electricity when extra is needed. What it is, is is there's a reservoir up high and they pump the water back up the hill and then run it back down the pipe to run turbines. We're proponents of redundant power sources. One of the things that we've been trying to express with the UA is to have redundant energy sources and not cut out existing infrastructure that we already have. Natural gas being one of those, there's ways to clean up natural gas and add hydrogen. You can add 15 to 20% into natural gas without changing your appliances or anything. With current legislation, there's a zero natural gas policy in place. It'll delete existing infrastructure of thousands of miles of piping that already exist that is cleaner than coal, cleaner than oil. It's not your typical fossil burning fuel. You can't just shut off a valve and turn on a switch. That power has to come from someplace. And there is a need for greener energy to get there. There's not a direct path. There needs to be more transition rather than shutting something off and turning something else on. So as far as the UA is concerned and what we're trying to do with talking to our legislators is to educate them on what these jobs mean to us and how they work and especially being efficient with using what we already have as an infrastructure and not just throwing it all away. You know, you bring up a really good point there, Randall, because we've been talking about these great plans that are coming down from the other Washington, but we also have some stuff right here in Washington state that we can be looking at. We were focused last year on elections for the state legislature, but we can be talking to our elected officials at the city and the county level. Bob, you're chair of the Labor Council's political committee, right? What are the races that we're looking at as we move into 2021? Thanks for bringing that up, Harold. Yeah, Vancouver City Council has got the mayor's seat and uh, some of the council positions that are running this year, and uh, school boards are very important. 
because we need to get people into these school boards that can help get our kids educated in a positive manner. Oh, don't get me started on how important school boards are, Bob, because we have some levy situations in some of our school districts, such as Battleground, where we need good school board members to try to push through a levy. And we're going to talk about this hopefully in our next show about school levies, why they're important, and why Battleground is falling behind in our area because they're not passing levies for their school districts. Even aside from that, I think school board seats are especially important as we have kids moving out of this hybrid situation and into full-time schooling. We've seen all through the pandemic how the teachers unions have worked to negotiate with these districts to try and keep everybody safe. Who we have on the school board makes a big difference in how those negotiations come out. It also makes a difference on layoffs, like our Vancouver School District. Absolutely. So we talked about some great plans from the federal level. We talked about some of the races that we're looking at at the more local level. We talked about the importance of school boards. What else should we be looking forward to as we turn the corner, we hope, into a post-pandemic age for working people here in Southwest Washington? I've got a great one. Labor Day! We are going to have a Labor Day celebration this year. The Labor Council will be putting on a picnic, so I'm really excited about that this year. The Labor Council was going to have a Labor Day picnic last year for obvious reasons. We couldn't, right? But we're hoping that come September, we can do it this year. Where's that going to be? I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. It's actually going to be in Kalama, Washington, just up north a little bit, and it's at Haydu Park. Yeah, Labor Day is a great time. Our elected officials come out and celebrate labor, working people. Our candidates come out of the woodworks and say hi to everybody. It's just a day to relax and reflect on what those have done before us and to celebrate their lives and their legacies. It's a lot of fun. I hope as many people can make it as possible safely. And so there are so many unions that are involved, so you get a different feel of other members or that they, you do when you have conversations with them at Labor Day. Of course, a couple of beers loosen up a little bit and, you know, and everybody's having a good time. Yeah, but we live in southwest Washington, which is right across the river from Portland. And doesn't Portland have its own big Labor Day picnic? Oh, my gosh. Yes, they do. It's at Oaks Park and there's like 15,000 people there. And it takes you three hours to get in and out of that complex. Oh, and we are not Portland. We are Southwest Washington. So we have our own picnic in Kalama. It's a family atmosphere, lots of kids games, barbecues, all that good stuff. So come check it out. And that three hours in and out is just on the I-5 bridge, not even until you get to the park. And Shannon got banned from that one anyway, so we don't want to go there. Well, I wasn't banned. <laughs> there, there is one other big event the Labor Council is doing. It's, it's kind of way out into the future. It's like the beginning of 2022, right? Are you talking about our labor dinner? Oh, yes. At the beginning of 2022, February 4th, 2022, at the Vancouver Hilton, which is our amazing union hotel here in Vancouver, we are holding our Labor Awards Dinner. 
to recognize amazing working people here in Southwest Washington that have done good things for the labor movement. And so that the IBW doesn't get jealous, they get participation trophies. Everybody wins something. So as we wrap this up, we talk about the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council a lot, but what Randall and Bob are bringing to this is really what this organization is about. Members of different unions coming together, working together, and also giving each other a ration of All joking aside, I'm very thankful for all of my friendships and our friendships with all the different unions, especially within the building trades. We do squabble sometimes like any other good family does, but I'm truly thankful for all my friends and everybody that I'm involved with in this movement. We are stronger together. Well, Randall, Bob, thank you so much for joining us tonight. On a Friday night too, folks, I don't know when you're listening to this, but they actually gave up their Friday nights to sit down and talk with us. We didn't ask them to give up their Friday night. I'm president of the Labor Council, so I told them to come. I'm just kidding. No, that sounds so bad. That's not me. No, it is. (laughs) It's still going in there, though. It's still going in there. I think the the phrase is actually voluntold. Voluntold. No, but seriously, guys, I I really do appreciate you coming on because Shannon is really the only member of the Labor Council's leadership that the listeners have gotten to know. And the simple fact of the matter is the Labor Council is not just Shannon. The Labor Council is a whole group of union representatives who are coming together to do good things for the community. So being able to introduce you guys to our listeners it's been a privilege. Thanks for having me. And it was an honor to be here with my brothers and sister and uh, to talk a little bit to all of y'all out there. And now you all know what I have to deal with. Just saying. Now stick around, working people. We're going to talk to somebody at Vancouver's Peace Health Southwest Hospital about the current contract negotiations. They're not going well. More on that in just 30 seconds. Hey, gang, it's Jeremy Waugh, host of The Breaktime Breakdown. You can find us at www.smart110.org or wherever you get your podcasts. We're also a member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. Head over to www.laborradionetwork.org where you'll find labor-friendly shows and podcasts from all over the country. If you're a friend of the working class, and you should be, head over to laborradionetwork.org today. Thanks for sticking with us, working people. Nurses at Peace Health Southwest Hospital in Vancouver have been negotiating for a new contract. To tell us more about that, we've got Dee Dee Gray, Washington State Nurses Association Local Unit Co-Chair. Thanks for joining us, Dee Dee. Thanks for having me. So, Dee Dee, tell us the situation with negotiations. So, we've had a long and hard fight with the Peace Health Southwest executive leadership here in Vancouver to try to get a fair contract. We met like 12 days at the table. And of course, in this online Zoom Teams atmosphere, it's challenging already. So we met Thursday night and went 16 hours at the table until 1 a.m. And unfortunately, we could just not accept the proposal and did not extend our contract because we feel this year, after all the sacrifices we have done, it was not a contract that was going to protect us and reward us for the hard work and the sacrifices that we have put on the line every day 
taking care of patients, holding the hands of COVID positive patients while they're dying and family can't be there, educating family on the phone, exposing ourselves, exposing our family, seeing our coworkers fall ill, seeing some of our coworkers, fellow nurses, CNAs be long haulers, having to work light duty. So we have a fight and we feel that we are worth it. And, you know, Peace Health, they are a profitable company. They can support the nurses. We're about 44% of the workers and leadership have gotten fair raises, probably very high raises. And it's time to support the nurses. Is that the main sticking point, raises? It's not just all about the money. We have language on there about a workplace violence committee that protects the nurses, that actually proves that it is wrong to assault a healthcare worker. It is actually a felony. Um, So, you know, just having some language like that, that helps us have a voice at the table. And that was exactly what I was going to ask you, Didi, is I know that when you're negotiating a contract, everybody thinks it's because you want more money, more money, which that's not always the case with unions, because we fight for not only wages, but working conditions, safety conditions. Yes, exactly. But the economics are important also, because we really have to maintain trained highly skilled nurses in our community in Southwest Washington. If we don't pay our nurses a fair wage and give them fair raises, there are about 12 hospitals from Salem to Longview in our area. We don't want nurses going across the river to work at other hospitals. We don't want nurses in Vancouver to work at the local non-union hospital. We want to retain good nurses in our community at our level two trauma center, being able to still give great care, save lives. So, Didi. We're recording this on April 3rd, and it sounds like this is a really fluid situation. What can our listeners do to help support WSNA nurses at PeaceHealth? First, I'd like to ask anybody that has social media, please go to Vancouver RNs Care For Us. That is PeaceHealth Southwest WSNA, the Nurses Union's Facebook page. We have a lot of updates and posts there. And it's not just for nurses, it's for anybody in the community because we want you to know what we're doing. We're very transparent and vocal on there. We need your support. We are actually planning a rally for a fair contract, April 10th. So the next Saturday or this Saturday coming up, April 10th at one o'clock. It's going to be short and sweet, short and powerful from one o'clock to 2 p.m. at the Vancouver waterfront, at the beautiful new waterfront that union labor has helped build. We are going to be down there and we are going to be telling the community that we are fighting for a fair contract, that nurses need your support, want your support, and want to keep Peace Health Southwest as a good place for us to recommend to come get good care. What should people expect from that rally? Or do you even know because the situation is so fluid? I think the situation's so fluid. We actually just were asked to have another negotiation day on Thursday. So that's great if Peace Health Management wants to try to work with us and have another negotiation day, possibly lock in a great contract, but could be a victory rally. And it could be us saying we're still fighting the fight. We're not settling. We're going to get a good contract. We're going to protect the nurses and keep nurses wanting to work at Peace Health Southwest. I just celebrated my 16-year anniversary a few weeks ago on March 14th. You know, I started working there when I was 21. I'm 37, almost 38 now. And uh, there's a lot of nurses like me that have grown up in that hospital and want to stay working there, want to help moms have babies, want to help patients in the ICU, want to help patients up on the cardiac unit. And we just need to keep fighting 
and show our community that the nurses are worth it. One last thing before you go, Didi. You're talking about a contract negotiation in a union hospital. And a lot of our listeners might be healthcare workers in a non-union hospital or a clinic. They might be thinking, well, if this is so difficult, why would I ever want to join a union? Having a contract to protect our working conditions, benefits, and wages is amazing. Knowing that if I get hurt at work, I can call my union rep and ask for support, ask for guidance. Know that when I need vacation, that I am allowed a fair amount of vacation a year. You know, knowing that my rest breaks are supposed to be protected and uninterrupted because that's how nurses re-energize and are able to provide safe care. If you're not unionized, look into it because there's so much safety and protection in having a union in a healthcare setting. It's, it's vital. You know, it's always a lot easier to fight together than to fight alone. And if you're fighting alone, it's a very lonely place. And that's why if you don't have a union, get one, join one, make one. Well, thank you, Dee Dee Gray, Washington State Nurses Association Local Unit Co-Chair at Peace Health Southwest Hospital in Vancouver. Do keep us posted. What's that Facebook page again? That is Vancouver RNs Care for Us. Please like and share our posts. See you on the 10th. Make the rally. Either way, you either come out and support your nurses and show them that you got your back or you're out there celebrating with them. Thanks so much, Dee Dee. And thanks to you, working people, for joining us on another episode of Working to Live in Southwest Washington, produced by the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council. And hey, we know that the nurses need a good contract, and that is why we have a contract in place as well. This podcast was recorded under a SAG-AFTRA collective bargaining agreement. Damn right. Remember, working people, this is your show. We want to know what you want to hear on it. Email us at podcast at swwaclc.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at swwaclc. And don't forget to subscribe to our show. And since it is the month of April, which is my birthday month, please give me a gift and hit that subscribe button and share it with your friends and neighbors. And while you're at it, give us five stars or five happy nurses wearing Crocs or whatever your podcast platform of choice gives you to say you like what we're doing here. One last thing, folks. We talked about a lot of great things happening right now because of new leadership in D.C. and because of things changing from the way they were last year. But there's a few things that haven't changed. Namely, the virus is still out there. Even though more and more people are getting vaccinated, we have to make sure that we don't let down our guard. So please keep those masks on, keep washing your hands, keep distance from each other like Shannon and I are now over Zoom. And I'll tell you what, I am so so excited about the future. I am excited that we are on a path to help out working families. And it's already starting to come down and show. So what will the labor movement be doing over the next couple years? We are going to be watching our elected officials and making sure that they are doing what they need to do for working 
people, for Americans who need help, who want the American dream, because the American dream is not that big. You know, it's having a house, maybe a car, raising a family, and not having to worry about where you're going to get your next paycheck or your next meal. That's as basic as it gets. And that is what we're striving for. And I think we're on the path to accomplish that. She's absolutely right, folks. That's another way that we can't let down our guard. Just because the election is over doesn't mean we shouldn't be watching what our leaders are doing and letting them know if they're not standing up for working people. So keep those emails handy. Sign those petitions. Let our leaders know that you like what they're doing for working people or that they better stand up for working people. Call your friends and family in other states. Tell their senators, vote for the PRO Act. Yeah, make sure your friends and family are calling in. Pass the PRO Act. Every single one of us should have the right to organize and be a part of a union if we choose to. And also, don't forget about our local elections coming up. We've got a lot of school board races, city council, and mayor. So don't forget those as well, because local politics are even more important than D.C. politics. But there's some good things in D.C. politics. I've long said America wasn't built by Wall Street. It was built by the middle class, and unions built the middle class. Unions put power in the hands of workers. They level the playing field. They give you a stronger voice for your health, your safety, higher wages, protection from racial discrimination and sexual harassment. Unions lift up workers, both union and non-union, and especially black and brown workers. I've made it clear made it clear when I was running that my administration's policy would be to support unions organizing and the right to collectively bargain. I'm keeping that promise. You should all remember the National Labor Relations Act didn't just say that unions are allowed to exist. It said that we should encourage unions. So let me be really clear. It's not up to me to decide whether anyone should join a union. But let me be even more clear. It's not up to an employer to decide that either. The choice to join a union is up to the workers, full stop, full stop. Today and over the next few days and weeks, workers in Alabama and all across America are voting on whether to organize a union in their workplace. This is vitally important, a vitally important choice as America grapples with the deadly pandemic the economic crisis and the reckoning on race, what it reveals, the deep disparities that still exist in our country. And there should be no intimidation, no coercion, no threats, no anti-union propaganda. No supervisor, no supervisor should confront employees about their union preferences. You know, every worker should have a free and fair choice to join a union. The law guarantees that choice. And it's your right, not that of an employer. It's your right. No employer can take that right away. So make your voice heard. God bless you all. And may God protect the workers and their families who are trying to figure out how to make it, make it fairly. Thank you. The sun is shining out there, but that doesn't mean it's time to kick back and relax, folks. We got a lot of work to do. We'll see you soon. Bye.